0: Welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the show, and I am here with my guest. I'm just going to jump straight in today. Let's not muck around too much. A guest, uh, who are you? Uh, my name is Greg Barrett, and I am a well-dressed shapeshifter. Right, (laughs) that would be what. What would be actually the definition of like a if your if your career if your the definition of you was well dressed shapeshifter? What would that actually mean? If if a superhero character was going to be the well dressed shapeshifter, what yeah? What are their special powers?
1: Their special powers or are are to just to literally morph into whatever career. Uh, suits him best in the moment, and then also to, and then to be as direct as well dressed for that particular performance as possible. Like if he works at KFC, that fucking uniform is tight as shit, and he's and he looks great in it, and the hat fits, and the whole deal. And then you know, and then he can easily then be in a band and look just as cool, you know. So it's sort of like. I'm the, I'm like I take everything very seriously. I take it very I take the out I take the uniform as seriously as the job.
0: I think that's a, a really interesting perspective. Like I genuinely do. Like yeah. and I'm fascinated by that because I think that it will speak to and we'll get to this in yeah. the podcast. But it, you have done many things and done many things excellently, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think. And I, I, with this podcast, I don't like to presume about people. I'd rather hear it from you and talk yeah. about it in that way. But I, because I know you, and uh, you know, I think there are parts of your career that have been excellent, and that of your life that have been excellent. That you have mixed feelings about how to reconcile. Right, right. You have that. You are a person who's not known for just doing one thing. You're known for doing a lot of things. But I love that attitude of like, well, I'll, you know, I'll do a lot of different things and I'll do a good job. But you know what? You're going to know on day one. I'm going to yeah rock up being prepared. I'm going to look good. You right. Know what I'm gonna, like, whatever, I'm
1: gonna, whatever the gear is, yeah. the gear's got to go along with it. I felt that way. I felt that way always. I feel that way about bands. I feel that way about when I go to see a stand-up. Like the whole kit and caboodle has to work for me. From top to bottom, it all has to make sense to me, you know what I mean, like as a whole. And when you that say doesn't so- necessarily mean somebody has to come out doing stand-up in a tuxedo. Uh-huh. It means that the that the presentation has to be thought out from head to toe. The the the, the, the quote-unquote character, which is just, we use that word because that is, you you are a character of yourself even when you're being very honest. You're still a bit of a character. The character of you makes sense to me. I look at it and I look at Will and I believe Will and I believe his clothes and I because I I want as much information as possible and I want to understand you and 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 you and so the way you look uh, tells a story I think uh, as importantly as what you're saying and and the way you say it. So to me, it's to me there that's a a, a crucial part of, of of all. Of all jobs, of all of, uh, in 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 life, even even uh, how you present yourself to your children,
0: I think that's really a- an interesting thing that you've like, And like normally, I would jump into the start and ask people if they have a specific philosophy, but I feel like we've already stumbled oh, on one. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we're know, pretty close. Yeah, and so uh, tell me about when you first noticed people you know pre- being well presented like where did this because it, ca- it has to have come from somewhere right well
1: I figured I, pr- I probably I think fi- Santa Claus had it figured out right so I,
0: <laughs> I mean look at that guy yeah, he yeah, works he, one day a year he's he, got a bag full he, of presents he's
1: got it right he picked a color he stuck with it he didn't right. change from year to year he's no got big, a brand yeah he got
0: he never got skinny sometimes like the beard is shorter than the other beard maybe yeah. the belt is thicker or more yeah. shiny mm-hmm. maybe he's rocking a bigger buckle one year
1: sure because you got to roll with trends every once in a while, but he still was portly. Uh, he still entered in entered through the chimney. Like he right. kept the most most of his gig was I, well. I, it's
0: a good mix of like what he's done because realistically, Santa Claus yeah. could get away with a less flamboyant outfit, right? Yeah. I mean, technically, if you think about the role of Santa Claus, sure, his one mission is to sneak around the world. Like on, on Christmas Delivering right. presents That's right? right So technically If you're really going to Christopher Nolan The Batman story Yeah He'd be dressed as a ninja Because you would not Want to be seen well, As you're going around These places right? right You would have some Batman At you going down chimneys It's got to be Very practical There's going to be Some sort of face mask well, there's a small amount of narcissism. Right.
1: <laughs> I'm hiding from you, but I'm not really. Right. And if I get caught, I want look, my, I want there I, to be I've got bells. <laughs> look, to those who've seen me, there's a story. Right. I want there to be a legend. I am a Bigfoot, you uh, know. I right. I've, I've been I've been seen clearly uh and and I've been seen in in an outfit that that has been repeated time and time again. Right. Uh Father as Father Christmas and and, and but but I I feel like um, you're right, if, if he was a true altruist absolutely, The Christopher and he would also be plagued with all kinds of you know, the reason he's giving gifts and, you know, but he would, he would be, he would be his, he would be like, he would look like a piece of coal.
0: Right. You know, uh, and live and, you know what I mean? And I just- mean, but is there any problem? This is an interesting co- topic of conversation too. Is there any problem? Because often you'll see people dismiss for doing good work in their own name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Belil- the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I've heard people criticize, you know, their work because, well, what does he have to call it the, you know, the Bill Gates Foundation, do you know what I mean? And I'm like, because he solved malaria, that's why yeah. he gets. You know what? If he wants to also get a little Santa Claus glory out of it, then fair enough. I think.
1: Yeah, I don't think that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, look, I, I don't, I don't see a problem with, with, uh, with, with Bono being, with saying, look, if you, if you become this, here's what you can do with it. Right. Look what I've done, and if I did this all secretly, the way some people do, I mean, there are, there are, there are lots of, of uh, anonymous givers in the world but then you don't know it and i think it's a good lesson to know i think it's it's always nice to know that people give i don't think less of somebody because they put their name on a foundation maybe lance armstrong right (laughs) i roll that back right well but even he even he i gotta tell well we can talk about that in a little bit Uh but 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 because because i've just gone through this cancer thing but but uh but uh, um but I don't have a problem with that. I, I like knowing that people are are good, and I like, and I think it's fine for somebody to have a foundation in their name, and um, and I think it's important. Sometimes some people's names are synonymous with, you know, Ben Stiller is synonymous with Haiti. And that's his cause, and um, so I think it, that that kind of thing um, matters. I, I, I think it's I think it's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah, America actually, for all the inequality in the that is built into the system, and maybe this is something that has arisen out of necessity. But uh, at the top end, like you know, the attitude to philanthropy. And giving away money. If you look at people like Bill Gates, and if you look at Warren Buffett, and you look at some of these people who have dedicated who are dedicated to giving away, like you know, massive amounts of the fortune that they've earned. Right. It's it's. I, I do, I, I do think that America needs to be applauded for that, and there is a public sort of tradition of it in America. Well, there's
1: also things that people don't understand, like the reason that art still exists is because of of donors giving to museums and making sure that the art stays alive, right? And that films stay alive. Like the reason that that we get to have some of this cool stuff, you know, um, is because there are wealthy people in the world who give their money to make sure museums stay open. they don't stay open on the nickels you put in when you go there <laughs> and, and I don't mean don't put nickels in or, or that that doesn't count everything counts but but you know that's how um, great collections of great artists are yeah. around is because somebody has a shit fuck of money and buys them all and preserves them and makes sure that they're cleaned and taken
0: care of and so yeah, there's I, not somebody out the back counting the nickels going we finally got enough contact the Picasso estate <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> right, right yeah I mean it, yeah it's it is. It is. You know, um, uh, there are lots of uh, there are. You know, so wealthy people do 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 some uh, some good things besides underpay their employees and ship most of the jobs overseas. Right. They also do. I that. mean, that's the, they also. Do that's that. the other thing that we have to consider. Yeah, they also yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah. They also do that. Yeah. I mean, I like the good wealthy, like the tennis players and stuff like that. They're not good. The rock stars. Those those people are nice. But no, you know, it is it, it is true. I mean, Ben. I only know this because I know him personally, but Ben did, a, did a, a Haiti event in New York and he pulled all of his artist friends because he knows people in the art world and, they ha- and each one of them painted an original painting and they raised $13 million and it's the most amount of money ever raised in one night and $13 million went to Haiti, right? which, I mean, Haiti could use $130 million. But that's a shit ton of power. Now Ben didn't make a big deal about it, about about himself because he did it under some other name, but he he arranged that with his power right. of being famous and saying I'm Ben Stiller, and people will pick up the phone when Ben calls. Right, right. People aren't going to pick up the phone if I call. <laughs> and, well, no one, and I mean fucking no one. I, I have a hard time getting my manager on the phone. So I'm uh, sometimes uh, even your voicemail doesn't answer. Yeah, your yeah, calls. yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't think there's anything, uh, anything wrong with that.
0: Okay. So Santa Claus is the first well dressed fella that you notice, but then there must be some sort of more you, practical. I, were you a well dressed child when you were at like uh, primary school or was it like something you developed in your teens or college? college? think
1: probably. Um, um, I think probably I started to, uh, I think, you know, uh, my, probably, I probably, Joe Namath who was the quarterback of the Jets, Uh who was the first NFL guy to sort of break the football rules and have long hair and wear fur coats. Right. And he became – like that to me was like, oh, there's a story. Right. (laughs) There's a guy. That's a – like, and I I was like, you know, so I was – I mean, you know, obviously I was a little boy, but I got it. And I think that was the thing that just sort of led me down the path to eventually – you know, bands, you know, seeing a
0: band. I mean... Well, uh, before we get to the bands, because I just want to... I Just because I was thinking about this the other day, I was watching the NBA finals. And one of the things that I realize I enjoy about the NBA is unlike most sports in the world now, like particularly in Australia, all our sporting teams, if you ever see them like in a post-match press conference or in a public appearance on behalf of the club, they are wearing some version of their club's uniform. Whether it be like the track suit, you know, for actually playing or like you know, a club shirt or even like a club blazer, you know, they right. they come dressed as the club uniform, right? right? Whereas in the NBA, when they do their post-match press conferences, they're all just dressed in their own weird ass fashion. Right. And it's, the best oh yeah I don't understand yeah, why yeah, we yeah. haven't why we've stopped that seeing like someone you've just seen as a sporting god on the court looking so perfect in these well-designed uniforms yeah. and everyone's playing in unison Yeah. and then they just rock up in what yeah. they picked yeah. Oh, yeah. oh it tells you just so much about them yeah 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 in a knit
1: cap right. a, you know what I mean like <laughs> no it's it's uh I mean style is a you know it's a again it's a, it's a style is a storyteller um uh I always liked. I liked watching the. I liked the Wimbledon whites. Right. I liked that Wimbledon had a rule, and then because sometimes you leave it to these fucking tennis players, and then you go, "What the fuck are you wearing? What right. are those two colors?" Once they started allowing colors in tennis, some people are great at it, but most of them are horrible. And and you start looking at, at you know, but 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 then then Bjorn Borg came in and changed the changed the game, right? He started adding checks to his whites, and he had the headband and the hair long and. You know, then Agassi came in and, you know, and so I, I, I've always appreciated, um, uh, you know, the. I also have always like the trailblazer people that, you know, take it one step further and do and break the rules and, and do the thing that's unexpected or not, you know, uh, and some people go too far. I never thought I never understood what Dennis Rodman was up to. I never got the worm. I never I, don't, I still don't understand what he's I don't think he gets it really. You know, so some guys go a little bit too far. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's, it's more, it doesn't feel like a, it doesn't feel genuine. I think you can also tell when something feels false.
0: I uh, was reminded of a story recently, uh, and I've told this story on my other podcast, Tofop, but uh, I was listening to uh, my dear friend Lima, who I used to do radio with in Australia, Uh, tell a story on another podcast just coincidentally yeah and uh, he was recounting a story that happened when the two of us worked together and to that moment i had forgotten that story but it has to do with dennis rodman so you know i thought i might tell you which is this apparently one day i yelled at dennis rodman he came into our radio station and i i i don't know why what has happened i had blocked this story out of my mind until i reheard it but what i don't know whether i was having a particularly emotional day i was going through a pretty uh a tough time in my life at that period of time so yeah. maybe i was like on the edge um but maybe I maybe I wasn't. But it, what had happened? I remember this: that Dennis Rodman was really drunk when he came in for a pre-record, yeah. like you know, interview for our station, and he was flogging something terrible. You know, it was one of those ones we had to mention the terrible thing that he was flogging yeah. at Dennis Rodman. But we're like, we'll do it. You know, what I mean, we want to talk to Dennis Rodman. So Dennis Rodman comes in, he's blind drunk, and he's being a pain in the ass, like mumbling and not talking into the microphone and talking to his friends and like you know, just being a real like does not care. You know, yeah, yeah, no yeah. respect. Right. And so I stopped the recording and I just yelled at him I just gave him a lecture about mate we are here to flog your bullshit fucking product and like apparently was just going that's amazing no one gives a shit about it but you know what if you're funny and interesting and we're funny and interesting we'll play this on the radio and we'll give it a good fucking plug but to be honest mate you're wasting our fucking time and if you don't want to talk to us fuck off oh (laughs) my (laughs) god that's fantastic Lemos retold this story right and like and apparently Dennis Rodman like really respected that holy shit I wish I I had
1: those kind of balls in my marriage
0: right well i'm not not sure i've ever had those balls again (laughs) like i think i've not had those balls to the point where that story had been blocked out of my memory so that i didn't remember that i was capable of doing that sort of thing yeah but uh, yeah. Anyway, I just because you mentioned Dennis Rodman, I uh, I ended up going out with, uh, for the for a, for a night of drinks with Dennis Rodman oh my after God. this interview. So I went out on the town with Dennis Rodman. That well, that is an incredible experience. That's
1: yeah. And maybe he didn't realize what an asshole he was being. And maybe he's maybe you know, as as a person who's been on both sides, you've been on both sides, right? You've been the host, and you've been the guest, and you know what it's like sometimes it's great right and sometimes it's awful more often than not it's not a, a an awesome experience and so you know and he probably didn't give shit he's not a, he's not a genius of a guy i was right. on a panel show with him once <laughs> you know he's not one of our great thinkers um uh you know he was good at rebounding yeah uh, but
0: he but again he had a, a real sort of style and personality and whatever he for, did you know? and he was and for a while he was a great
1: basketball player and i and um uh and so I've always appreciated uh, anybody that, uh, um, I. And a, a lot of times people equate um, dress with fashion or style or money. And I, I've never. I I've, I've always tried to say that's not what I'm talking about. Also, to me, you can do it up in a t-shirt. It's just the way you do it. And 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 if it matches, what else you do? And you know, it's it's and it's it's when uh, when it looks like you give a shit. You know what I mean? You know, when it looks like it's put together, there are people who can wear a t shirt and make it still look like they give a shit. And I think that's sort of, and then you can, then, you know, then there's people where you go, well, I can tell you 10 reasons why your career isn't working,
0: and that sweater's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did have a thought the other night when I was watching a particularly funny uh, comedian here on stage, just going, you know what? I think I still would enjoy this more if you weren't wearing your bum bag, your fanny pack, as Americans would say. Yeah, like on stage, just wearing it. Yeah, and I was like, and, and it wasn't like to get things out of and be part of the act. It was just like, oh no, literally, I could not find anywhere to put my fanny pack.
1: Yeah, I don't. And I, yeah, <laughs> I, that to me sounds like a nightmare. I wouldn't. Have, I would have probably not been able to watch the rest of the. <laughs> you know, the rest of his act, that would have been hard. But then it was, then of course it was bands, and, you know, and it went from Aerosmith to The Clash to. You know, the punks really did it upright and, you know. I mean, so talk
0: me through your personal connection to those things, though. What, what was the first kind of music that you really, like, fell in love with? Where did your style – when did you start to have a distinct style of your own? Talk, Yeah, tell me a bit about well, that. Well, I think I was attracted to because I grew up in a very white suburban
1: – I was very preppy. I grew up very white and preppy and in a very white area. Um, but I liked anything kind of – like, so So Aerosmith was, it, it for me, in 19 19- – 7778 was exotic and Van Halen were exotic. So I liked I guess I liked w- a female leaning men. Okay. You know, because to me that seemed <laughs> like oh, you know, you can wear a fucking scarf yep. and big flares and your shirt's open and it looks like you might have a knife in your boot, but it also looks like you might be a lady. I thought Steven Tyler was a girl the first time I saw it. Like I didn't quite get like
0: I continue. mean, it was it was quite revolutionary in some ways, wasn't it? That these kind of, you know, heroin-taking, hard-drinking, yeah. you know, womanizing sort of rock and roll guys were also clearly spending hours before the show putting on makeup and doing their hair. That's right. And you didn't have friends like that. Like that wasn't an archetype at your school
1: like now those archetypes exist everywhere but that guy didn't exist he was like he was like like the fucking fat lady at the circus like it just they were freaks or like uh or like seeing a ship full of pirates like to me and to me that there was a revelation of you can still want to fuck girls and dress like that right you can dress like jack sparrow and fuck chicks and now i don't (laughs) i don't have to play sports anymore right uh and and that's what i choose that's that's what i choose and then and then my taste became more refined um and then you know then the sex pistols came along which is all vivian westwood's doing you know i mean she basically created that whole movement and 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 the whole look i mean that they were just dolls that they dressed up um, I mean, I, I, the sex pistols themselves will tell you that they didn't pick that shit out. Those guys were just a bunch of, you know, just a bunch of blokes, and they and they dressed him up, and and uh, and so and, and it matched. It told the story, you know. I mean, you can't Johnny Rotten was Johnny Rotten. Like you couldn't take that. There's you couldn't take that away from him. Naked, he would have been fucking amazing. But you put him in that weird fuzzy sweater, and you've got him in that fucking hunch. You know he looks like a hunchback and he and there was just something about it that made that that part of the story made it even more interesting um uh and so to me then then that started to inform my dress because i couldn't pull the aerosmith thing off i just didn't have i don't have those kind of cheekbones right. <laughs> and i could never get that skin skinny right you know what i mean so i started to lean towards the punk thing a little bit more because i could pull off a shorter short a spiky haircut and you know, I could pull off a short sleeve. You know, I, could, I would
0: like a rip t-shirt and that kind of that kind And so, uh, what? Uh, where in your life are you at? When you know, around this, like you're at college, right? Yeah. And so, there are there plenty of other people who are also kind of into that scene and dressing like that, or is it still a bit unusual?
1: No, I have a. I make my first gay friend, and uh, he's not out yet, but he's. But he, he and that's so funny because I was like, oh, finally, another straight guy that gets it. <laughs> it truly. <laughs> And we'd go thrift store shopping, and he was the one that turned me on to all the cool music, and he turned me on to all the
0: clothes. And I think we would have had equality, by the way, a lot earlier if you had gone out in public with the slogan "Gay guys, they're just a straight guy who gets it." Yeah, that's it. <laughs> they're just a straight guy that gets it. That's all. So I, my friend Larry,
1: and and he, uh, and so he just had this fucking mad taste and. And and so we would go out and thrift store shop and buy old men's clothes and like rip the cuffs off and wear, I mean, I still wear, you know, I would wear old brogues and I, I would dress like the record store clerks, you know, and I, I went to school in Eugene, Oregon, which was very cold. So that's why I started wearing the cardigans. You know, you buy old man's shit. That's why the cardigans was the, you know, not because I, I had some love for sweat. I just, right. that was the sweater that you could buy at because thrift stores. Because granddad died. Grant, that's right. Right, and there, there they were, and it smelled, but they were great. And you right. put your, you put your jam pin on, and and then Bob's your uncle, you know. And so that was that's, And I sort of stayed there. Uh, I, 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 you know, the, 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 I, kind of, I kind of lived in that that area. Then I sort of like, uh, uh, um, because it was easier to go punk for me and a little rockabilly. I roll my jeans. And I bought the, you know, the, the engineer boots, uh, and, uh, and I'd wear the flannels and that kind of thing. And I started putting my hair back. Um, so that was, that was, so it was, yeah, it was sort of a, so it was sort of a punk thing. I never, you know, I, I. Trust me, if I could have pulled off Adam Ant, I'd have done it. Right. I mean, I, I admired those guys. I loved Adam Ant. So many people pulled off Adam Ant during that time, and uh, you were the only one who couldn't. I couldn't. I was the only guy that couldn't do it. I mean, I really did. I really did love that stuff. I really loved him for being that. I always thought about, you know, Bow Wow Wow, same thing. I love the, sh- the, the, the the Mohawks and the face paint and the um, Pirate's Pants. Like I just thought, you know, that's a show. That's a thing, you know. And, and again, very exotic. For, for, for our time period, very very exotic, I mean you, you know if you wore if you had pink shoelaces, somebody would call you a faggot right like it was <laughs> uh, no, I mean, people would question you right. no you would get pun like Larry grew up getting beat up daily, like yeah. just for having wayfarers. Like, I mean, you know, those were times where, you know, you hear like Dave Grohl and those guys tell the stories of like, if you had punk records, you got beat up. But if you had punk records, you got beat up or called faggot or whatever. And I was always pretty beefy. So I never really got, I never got a lot of heat, but I still didn't like being called queer or faggot or whatever because, you know, but once I had a friend who was also wearing what I was wearing, I felt like a little bit more strength in numbers. Right. We're both being called faggot. Yeah. But. Larry's actually gay. Right. But I didn't know. <laughs> and that was you yeah, that I say. Those and guys I, knew. And I used that word and I used that word, which I know is not the right word, but that was the word being used at the time. You know, that's how hateful people were.
0: And so oh, also, I think that there's a difference between and that's an interesting point because I've noticed uh, that they're censoring a lot of literature now. In fact there are things that won't get played anymore because, you know, there's people using the N word in them or whatever. Right. And I think as historical documents like if uh, if but you know we should show what you know like Huck Finn's a good example there's they're constantly trying to like you know censor Huck Finn but it's a story of that time How do you- and the way they use language in that time and the fact that we don't think it's appropriate now informs it if you, you if you listen to episodes of Tofop and I know this actually this was the same with walking the room because you guys went through the same thing the in the period of time we had both been doing those podcasts 4 years like mm-hmm. maximum right the way that we talk about transgender issues and transgender people uh, has changed 100%. and there would be things that are said on those earlier podcasts that only 3 or 4 years ago i was ignorant enough to not you know understand and but it's been easy to change and it wasn't I mean, even, this, and, this and you didn't
1: thing. and you like when when uh, the uh, when uh, the first time dave and i or the, maybe the i don't remember i can't remember but it was early on when we threw the word tranny out thinking that was the word right or, or she male. I mean, I don't think we knew what the right word were. It was, and we certainly w- didn't mean to be offensive, but we did mean to be funny. And it seemed, and it was, it was offensive. I think, and when we did it, and we, and we got schooled, and then we said, fair enough. You know, it, it didn't feel like political correctness. It felt like, hey, that community also has feelings, and you're not, you're sort of, but to to take away the language in a book would be like. If at your house where your mom marked every year how tall you were, and then we just erased all the inches, and right. then just you were just always you were six always two. this tall, it, it's 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 absurd, and it's it's interesting to go back and read that stuff because we we didn't, you know, in that time period because I'm 50, I'll be 52 next week. In that time period, we just didn't. Know certain things were wrong And everyone was okay with it Right Including black people and Hispanic people we were all signed off On it as we were still trying to continue Growth Th- those movements were Happening and we were still deme- Like feminism was Happening and we were demeaning women on Television right Right? I just watched you mean today Right y- yes <laughs> and yesterday Every minute. And for
0: the oh, foreseeable it. future <laughs>
1: I just watched the musical "How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying," and they have a song on there called "Your Secretary Is Not a Toy." It is fucking hilarious, and 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 it it and it and really when you watch it, you you realize Matthew Weiner must have watched it a thousand times before he made Mad Men, and that's why he put uh put Robert Morse in in Mad Men. But it 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 and it's a very funny musical, and it's and it's and it's so telling. But I do think that like it's. You know, they're not going to show the Dukes of Hazzard anymore. Right. Because that flag's on the car. And yet there's nothing racist about those two guys or that show. So you have to go, okay, well, there's a case where they don't show the car that much. And that doesn't, that's not the same as still flying the flag over the state capitol. Right. There's a big difference. I mean, as, uh, as it being, every uh, second they episode. Do, they, they'll go back to all the Leonard Skinner records. Right. And all the bottles of Jack Daniels. Like. We we changed. We all acknowledged the change. We didn't think it was wrong, or or we didn't get that it was wrong, or or a lot of people didn't get that it was wrong. A lot of people did, and eventually something happened because we didn't want to change our gun laws. Right. <laughs> Nine people yeah. were shot, so we got rid of We'd a flag. <laughs> we did it again, America. We did it again,
0: and guns win the ga- win the day. <laughs> The worst. Nine people get shot, and you get rid of the Dukes of Hazard. We
1: get rid of the Dukes of Hazard. Nine people get shot in a church, and we get rid of the Dukes of Hazard. We are... You know
0: what? Stop shooting people, or we'll put mesh on the table. That's what we're saying. <laughs> it's...
1: And you know, it's so funny, you know, uh, uh, you know, the president just used the N word on Mark Maron's podcast. Yep. And when I listen when I listened to, to the interview, he said it so casually and so comfortably and he was using it in, in context. And so, you know, it, it's a word and it's a word that, that you, you can't get rid of it as a word. And and it's a word that needs to be discussed, and it's a piece of history that that will we, we need to use the word sometimes to discuss
0: history. If it, Obama if- had said, because in the context he used it, uh, I believe it's in the context of saying, just you know, Well, can you? Are you are you able to paraphrase? No, mm-hmm. neither of us can. Here's what I, I will do. But people can listen to the interview and get in the context, but the 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 essentially he's saying. Just because somebody's being called a, that word in the street, and then goes on to speak to other issues, right? Yes. Yeah, it's in the context of you know, referencing somebody calling a black person that word. He couldn't just say, is someone's calling a, ba- a black person a bad word or the n-word," like it, it's it, that word still is the word is that is used most used to demean black yes. people, right? Yes. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's the word to use. But the thing that's most interesting about that to me is. He's not the first American president to use that word in public. Like there's four or five previous American presidents who used it, but in the other context. Yes. Oh, oh, yes. So, you know, if we're going to have the ones who used it in that context, then have the new one who, you know, this is a great moment for America where, you know, really the first time it's been used by a president, you know, in a way that isn't derogatory, and I just love that he did it on a podcast. On a podcast, because where
1: are you going to do it? It was on a podcast, and I also love that he on Mark
0: yeah. Maron's podcast.
1: Yeah, he almost. I mean, it was funny because I mean, it was a very
0: good interview, but I can't believe Maron didn't bring up that beef they had at New Faces in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I wanted it to be about. Right. I wanted it to be a classic Mark Marin right. interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. I just, remember that time? Do you remember yeah. that
1: time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you didn't. Yeah, that yeah. time where like you wouldn't talk to me right. and. But it would be the other way around. It'd be, it would be Obama going, you were such a dick. Right. <laughs> you were such a dick to me at New Faces. I remember because I was going on after you and you were trying to fucking psych me out and you kept walking back and forth going, oh, you're that guy. You're going to do this stuff. You're going to do the black stuff? Right. You got to catchphrase? Yeah, you got to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we can. Yes, we yes, can. We can. The, that, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. closing on? Yeah, or you, yeah. oh, oh, Or you're going to close on hope. Hope. It's... <laughs> That would have been beautiful. <laughs> yeah. No, he definitely, the president definitely came to play as he, as he, I'm surprised many people have talked about this, Is he basically admitted he has no religious affiliation whatsoever. He has, you know, it's
0: one of those things where, thank thank God, I was going to say ironically, but I think anyone under who listens to anything he says understands that Barack Obama is smart enough to. You know, have at least skepticism about there being you know one particular god from you know a particular you know one particular book he, everything that he's said and done really has said that, but yes. he's never been able to say
1: it but it, it, it's almost like he was close enough to go, "Of course, I'm in the pocket of big insurance." How do you think you get elected president?
0: Right How do you think of, yes, it'd be great if he just if he just really had gone through? Do all that. Do you of really
1: them. think the first black president is not also going to be a hawk? Right. You think I'm going to pull those drones? I mean, do you understand the responsibility on my shoulders for all black politicians, not only black, you know when people say I don't do enough for black black people, I'm really doing it by being the president yeah. in in a hawkish way. Right. You know, you can you can they can call me a socialist, but when they look at my record and look at what I did, and yes, I'm a hawk and yes, the drones are awful and yes, we're trying to figure out how to keep guys out of battle at the same time and yes, we're in places we shouldn't be. And there's also a lot I can't do about it. And I have no truck with Congress because Congress are a bunch of racist assholes. Right. <laughs> and I basically, I'd love to come out and say what I really said. I mean, I'd love to be in a, I'd love to be at a conversation like that. I mean, that was close, but I really would love to be, you know, in a, in a conversation at a dinner. I think I've said this to you before where it's just Bill Clinton and and, uh, and, and Barack Obama just going, holy shit, that, that job and just hear them both talk about what can't get done and why it can't get done and, you know, you know,
0: just… Our just- friend Dave Anthony said something interesting to me because Dave has not necessarily been a fan of Obama as president. No. Uh, but he said that he thinks he'll make a great uh, former president. You know, he thinks he'll be one of those people that, you know… Because even you can see it even in this last year, like, you know, on the guns issue the other day when he was really just honest about the fact that Americans have to stop shooting each other. And he started to really kind of like say, be a bit more honest, even going on Marin's podcast, that sort of stuff. I feel like when he's out of the job, he might be one of those guys who does, A, become a real leader for, you know, all sorts of groups and people, you know, because he can, because he's still going to be young. He's, yes. he's a powerful, powerful speaker. Yes. You know, I, I don't think anyone doubts the fact that he can tell a great speech and he can, you know, word things in a really inspirational way. Yeah. You know, Maybe they'll, they'll doubt him on follow-through or what he actually did. But, you know, there's no better speaker yeah. in the world. And once you're out… And you have a bit more freedom to literally com- commentate on these things. Yep. I think, you know, he might be a really powerful voice in the world.
1: And also when he leaves his legacy, he'll be attributed things that he didn't even necessarily do, but happen under his right. in, under his regime.
0: Mar- like and, legalizing uh, marriage equality, for example, which yes. really... Right. You
1: know, and the pot laws beginning to change and getting osama bin laden which he did do like a lot of a lot of a lot of cool he got a lot done and he got and he didn't get a lot done and there was some effectiveness and there wasn't effectiveness i mean the guns thing's gotten so out of control that you do start to think like fucking how can you guys not get get your hands on this and then you watch a president who is anti-gun not and 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 the conversation is always the same which is you know the the, the, and i'm sure you guys are tired of hearing this but it's the same the conversation we should probably you know set some rules you're not taking our fucking guns right now i never said i wanted to take your guns no it starts there and then you take the guns i'm just saying maybe we should have a rule on how how easy it is to get a semi-automatic a machine
0: gun can, can our, our, we just have like a sleep on it rule can we at the a, very least can
1: we have a sleep on it overnight rule? could a retard not get a shotgun immediately <laughs> right it's it's really by the way to the to the, I I'm mentally handicapped again yep. with the language <laughs> i'm old and some of those words still feel fun to say uh, in a comedic <laughs> context um but it, it uh
0: it, yeah it's um uh, yeah, the, okay so as an uh as an ex-president because he is uh, younger and he, he's a bit more tapped into all these sort of things. And the thing that I think that Americans probably don't appreciate is uh, Obama's a, incredibly po- popular around the world, the, like the good PR that he's done for yeah. America's brand. Yes, even if like I- in a domestic sense. Yes, like the, yeah, he's got a bit of America's like you know uh, swing back internationally. Like yeah. people have liked him.
1: Yeah, I find his now if we return to our. Our initial conversation. Uh, I find his dress as a president to be spectacular. I find all of his other clothing choices to be almost as though he's mocking blue collar America. Right. He dresses. <laughs> he he dresses consciously bad. He's got way cooler friends than that, and he wears giant sleeves and huge pants, and he looks. It's almost horrible. like he's
0: afraid of looking too sh- like stylish or sharp yeah and like, he's got a know. fantastic body and he could wear the best clothes right an amazing and he's shape. wearing those mom jeans and, and he
1: wears the mom jeans and the gigantic shirts that are three ties is too big and he wears bad puffy jackets and bad running shoes and it just it, there's just that thing of like and i know i know you know you're better than that you can't be friends with jay-z and and dress like that like you just can't you can't right, but you also can't.
0: you can't uh you can't wear a suit the way that he wears a suit and he wears some stylish suits, he you know, wears, particularly he when he's like getting dressed up for a, like a, a talk show or something like that. And he puts on his like, you know, I want to look good suit. Oh man, like he's a stylish looking it dude. Looks like,
1: well, I mean, he dresses like one of the Rat Pack, right? You know? Like, I mean. <laughs> And he's got that kind of patter. He comes out and he knows right. how to be funny like one of those guys. I mean, he's by far the funniest president we've ever had. Yeah. And he gets it. And he loves comedy, obviously. Well,
0: the funniest, intentionally funny president that you've had. Yes. I mean, George W. Bush. like The funniest president. The funny president. That's ever lived. Like, hands down.
1: That's ever yeah. lived. <laughs> that has ever lived. The, I mean, just fascinating. I mean, scary as it's happening. Funny in retrospect. Right. But I find his at least he wears his fucking cowboy boots like i i find his post presidential i'm a cowboy thing more real right. than obama's aren't i aren't I regular no <laughs> michelle pulls it off in the j crew stuff she looks fantastic michelle dresses great no matter no matter where she goes <laughs> and the girls are always
0: going to be stylish because they're young girls but Obama, I, I saw I, I saw a thing with her the other day. She's like kickboxing or something now, Michelle Obama. And there was like footage of her, like and you know sometimes when you see those sort of things, you're like, but it, it honestly looked like she was training for a remake of like The Dark Knight Rises. Like, yeah, yeah it was she was she was going to be in the League of Shadows. It was proper like or like or UFC or something. I was like, you're pretty action.
1: Oh yeah, she's pretty. No, no, no. She's she's in. She. I mean you know they're both and they're both super intelligent now they're they're going to we they're going to be missed they're going to be missed because uh whoever comes in next uh it will it's going to be it's going to be strange i mean it's probably going to be hillary i don't think it's going to be bernie sanders although he 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 is pretty cool but i it, it's um uh and i don't think it's going to be jeb bush i don't think they've got a shot uh but it's it's going to be
0: I I I don't know. I are politics a thing that you are interested in? Have they been oh. a, that you have been interested in? Are you more or less interested as in like you know as your life goes on than you were before? Tell me about that. Uh,
1: I, I I think I became more interested in them when I got married and started to have a family and started to make some money and started to become a little bit more socially aware. But um, I was never really super interested in them. I don't I don't feel. Um, uh, like there's, I feel like a spectator, you know, I don't feel like there's much, I don't, I don't feel like I can make real change, you know, I feel like I I should just go do my job, do my job really, really well and see if that contribute, that's what my contribution is, is to do what I do, um, and to do it really well and to raise my girls, to be good girls and to be a good husband and sort of like, so I don't, you know, um, well, talk, talk, if talk. I lived it But I, I You know That's because I live in Los Angeles Which is a hopeless fucking place Right It doesn't feel like a community It's like a It's just a fucking It's just a bunch of streets Plopped down on some sand it, It's a horrible <laughs> Fucking Grid Of Of uh, Of empty souls Trying to get on television um, <laughs> uh, Of which I am one And yet I've made some of the best friends Of my life here And right. I love And I love some of it Very very much But I, I, uh, I think if I lived in a smaller place where I felt like I, if I lived in a smaller town or even if I lived in
0: a place like Portland, right? I think maybe I'd feel differently. It was interesting that it's funny that you say that about Portland, we were in Portland last week for a week and, uh, had just the best time. I love that city mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And it's just a city that like all the things that I like to do, it does. Yeah. and it does it in a way that you do feel like you're part of a community you yes. know like i was there for a week but i was going to the same place to get coffee every day and by the end of the week you felt like i oh, like you know we know that each other and that you know you you kind of have a little routine and stuff we went on a monday night to uh, no sorry on a wednesday night they have uh, at this at like the Race park, I guess it's called, like outside Portland, their race, their international raceway. Um, they have drag racing, but like it's just people who have old classic cars who live around Portland, and they all like bring their cars out and they just uh, sit around in this field with these cars. And there's like a band, and there's like you can buy a bit of pizza or whatever. But essentially, it's just a few hundred people, and everyone goes around and looks at everyone else's cars, and they've all got their like bonnets open and whatever. And so we're walking around this thing, you know, and there's like these old, you know, kind of like fat caries guys yeah, yeah drinking beers and yeah. sitting by their car but we go up and they'd let us you know sit in the car and they'd turn on the engine and they'd show you what was good going- like i mean it felt like a community yeah. event right yeah and and then you know they're drag racing against each other down the strip and stuff and i was like this like i, I haven't been to anything like that in l.a No,
1: and that's, and I'm sure there
0: are things like that that happen. By the way, they do it at
1: Bob's Big Boy on uh, on, uh, every Friday night. They they park cars out there, but you just don't. It doesn't have that feel, and it doesn't. uh, uh, It's too sprawling. It's just a factory. It's, and we're all (laughs) on the factory floor. It's just a gigantic factory that makes show business, and we're all at work all the time. And you run into people that you know at work. This is just a giant workplace. I mean, I don't feel, and it's transient because nobody wants to stay here really. I think everybody kind of wants to come in and maybe get a little piece of something, and then see when they can leave. Right. Um, uh, you know, I'll come with
0: a bag this big. Yeah. Could you fill it up this much? Yeah. Am and I, then I'll leave. Yeah. And maybe, <laughs>
1: and maybe that's been my problem career wise. You know, maybe I look like I want to go, uh, and that has made people go, "Well, how long is he going to stick around?" Um, but it is a, it's a, it's a very unforgiving and very non-communal feeling place. There's a good community within the within the
0: show business crowd, for sure. Uh, Well, I think that's different in in some ways because people have come together here. Like, as in, like I I found it a very welcoming community to be part of, and the reason that I explain, I think at least part of it is that no one is really from here. You know, if right. I went to Boston or if I went to San Francisco or if I went to Portland or whatever and wanted to do comedy there, like most of the people who are doing comedy there are from those places, you know? Right. Or they've moved maybe from a smaller place to that place, but they've become part of that you know community that's manageable enough that everybody kind of knows each other yeah. and sees each other. But it's so big here, and it's so many imports from different places that I actually just find it very easy because people are like, well, there's no clicky-clicks in the same way. I'm sure there are, but it's a bit more diluted, and people are a bit, you know, they're all kind of tourists here. So people tend to be a little easier to be friends with, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I, and also it's also you want, sometimes you want people to cling to because it's it's scary here sometimes and it's nice to be able to say to somebody oh fuck i've been swimming in it too right and you know i had a bad audition or i had a bad you know i haven't been able to you know get past this point in my career or this i'm having this dip or i'm having this moment that's great or whatever um or i'm trying to rebuild or what you know there's there's all different um versions of a career if you're at it long enough um, You know, uh, but ultimately, and so th- the only people that can relate to that are the, the your peer group. You, you know, you have that conversation with somebody who works a regular job and they can't completely get that because they do the same thing for a long time and they don't have upswings and downswings the way we do and they don't, they get to go to work on Monday and we sometimes don't get to go to work in 2015. So it's a whole... <laughs> You know, (laughs) or sometimes we have all of our stuff booked out in 2015 and we wake up with a belly full of cancer and now that's canceled and the cancer bills are coming in. So that's I mean, sometimes that also happens.
0: All right. Well, yeah. I mean, we we've talked about a lot of other things, and I want and there are other things I want to talk about. But like there is, you know, you've mentioned the cancer a couple of times. So right. let's talk about like whatever you would like to talk about it's, in it's re- e- relation to. It's that.
1: easy. I, I, you know, when uh, uh, I'm, I'm certain, some of the people that listen to this podcast may have seen may may have seen me. I had at least forty people total at the eight shows I performed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, tell me this: Was there? Uh, there was a there lot more, of people came was, to the gala. Was there more payers to your show than there were tumors inside your body? Yes. Okay. Oh yes. Right. Oh that's yes. Fine. I mean, so that's the ratio. It. The yeah, ratio that was. Is.
1: that's fine. Um, uh, so and I all, had and I had a hell of a gala set. Right i had a great great gala set i love i and i loved it and so I, we'll t- and take
0: I, everyone back it's april you're in melbourne doing the melbourne International yeah, yeah. comedy festival yeah
1: i'm there and i had some stomach aches before i left and they just kept getting worse and worse and worse and david and i did our very dave anthony and i did our very final walking the room podcast which we decided to do in australia for some reason we just said well let's we're both there let's do it there and uh And then that night, my stomach felt like it was just... I I felt like something had exploded inside of me. I just read the bass player from Guns N' Roses, Duff McKagan's biography, where he actually describes what it was like for his pancreas to burst. And I was like, well, that must be it. Something like that happened. So um, I call the festival, and they send somebody right over, and they take me to the hospital. And everyone is just... Well, everyone there is Australian. So I, I I wanted you to do this the other night. I wanted... I, I talked about this at Largo, but I wanted you to do the voice because I can't do the Australian accent. But I, um, basically, I was in agony and they gave me morphine and it didn't work. They gave me more morphine and it didn't work. They gave me some deluded. It started to feel better. They gave me some more it, and then they gave me a CAT scan. Uh, and then I took a heroin nap for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I woke up and uh, the guy said, uh, this is what I wanted you to say. Well, they're not. it's not an ulcer. And it's, not, uh, it's, uh, it's not, uh, you're not, you don't have a stomachache, but you've got a, a, a cluster of tumors in your belly. And it might be cancer. But it, it all, you guys, it's all up. So tumor and cluster right. and cancer. And then he put mate at the end. They, he was a fucking 26-year-old surgeon. Right. And and that's reassuring in sense. And I was like, man, if you get cancer, get it in Australia, because it just doesn't sound that bad. It really didn't. And then the first thing out of my mouth was, the very first thing I said was, well, you know, I've had a pretty good life. I really have. I I, I married the right woman, and, I, and I've had a really neat career. And the guy goes, well, we're not picking out headstones yet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and so... <laughs> He said, we don't know what this is. We don't, we don't know. It was just, they're, they're there. And they're belly. To another
0: doctor who was bringing in headstocks. Like, get just up, get out, get out, so, get out. He's taking it hard, Larry. Right.
1: <laughs> so I, and then he asked me to come look at the, uh, so to come look at the, um,
0: uh, X rays, and then I was like, "You show me so, a plate of spaghetti." So, what's in your mind at this moment? Like, literally, can can you remember what your state of mind was? I mean, were you?
1: I thought, you know, uh, this is one of those. I thought I didn't understand where they really were because i was still too high and they were on in in my aorta going into my intestine but i thought he meant that they were in my heart and in my intestines right so i thought i have a bunch of them and i'm gonna die they're just everywhere and we caught it too late so i thought i was gonna die but i was uh, remarkably unafraid to die i'm very unafraid (laughs) to die but i just felt like i I, because i really do feel like i have done so much cool shit in my life and i have two remarkable children that love me and my wife is a fucking warrior and she'll get through this and the kids will have a nice life and she'll probably get a halfway decent husband at the end uh, that she can have for the rest of her life after this and my insurance policy's through the fucking roof so it, you know it, it it's a bummer for a summer but then the bonus is nice for for the whole family so i did have a little bit of i did have a little bit of fearlessness about it and i and then uh um, so
0: I thought I was going to, I was pretty sure that I was going to die. So are I, you a person who, uh, has death been present in your mind, in your life? Like, I mean, you know, we, we mentioned Mark Maron earlier and I think he'd be the first to admit that he, you know, it, it's almost like totally present in his life that, you know, this kind of idea of death almost drives everything else, you know, that he does. Were you a person who thought about death much before that moment? I think I
1: probably thought about it an average amount.
0: You right. know, I thought about it, and and
1: I think I would think about it when things were going pretty well. Um, uh, but no, not not a, not a ton.
0: Okay,
1: I really haven't had a big fear of it, and uh, and I just experienced the most agonizing pain that I've ever experienced. Like I take a shot in the face from Tyson, and say that was nothing compared to what was going on in my stomach. You could marathon man all of my all my gums, and I could I could take it. Like so I i just felt like you know i i have been given uh, you know I, I i loved my parents my dad's still alive but i love my parents and i and i and i had a good upbringing as far as those kind of things grew i grew up in a very madmanish time so there was a lot of drinking and stuff and my parents it's like we were talking about earlier you know we just sometimes you just didn't know any better right people know better now <laughs> but um so i call my wife and she is a very much a man of action and so she's like, okay. You know, well, because they they said to me, "Well, you, you need to go home." And I go to to I go to my apartment, and they go, "No, no further, right? Back to America n- now, like as soon as possible, and go to a hospital. We've done all the work, so they don't take your these X rays and go to emergency and get operated on immediately." And uh, and so uh, I was like, "Okay." and uh, so I called my wife and she was very business okay so I'll, I'll tell,
0: talk, tell me about that like yeah. did you prepare before you called her did you kind of say in my head this is what I will tell her or did you just think I've just got to uh, talk to her and we'll see how that goes yeah I
1: just I, mean, I just dialed her I didn't I and didn't do you go with that.
0: it straight away like is it the first thing you say in that situation because it's hard to make small so talk I well imagine. yeah
1: because it's 3 o'clock in the morning oh, here and I okay. say hey listen um, I got some pretty bad news um and remember i'm still super fucking hot yeah and i say i have some pretty bad news i'm i i uh those stomach aches turned out to be cancer and there's in my on my aorta and and into my belly and i didn't really give her i should have let her talk to the doctor right and i have to go to emergency uh right away but in america so she's like uh like it's a lot to swallow right and she goes well what has to happen and I said, "The doctor, you have to call my regular doctor, and he has to get us a cancer doctor, and we got to go to Cedars when I get home, right from the airport." And uh, she was like, "Okay, I love you, and love you too." Blah 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 blah. She was very, you know, loving, but very like, you know, trying to figure shit out, you know, and and uh, and and very sort of, you know, businessy. I called my manager, and he burst into tears. I'm like, right. "That's." <laughs> I feel like the, the, the should have been the other I felt way around. The scripts got switched. Yeah, but that just is the way my wife. So now she's it.
0: managing you, and you're living with him.
1: That's right. I'm living <laughs> with him. It would be it would be easier. She'd take my calls at least. <laughs> no, he's fantastic. He's a you know we have the same manager, and he's yes. a very emotional guy and a lovely, lovely guy. And he struggled with his own illnesses from time to time, and so he was very upset, and and uh, and he he just got choked up, and he and he and he and I said. Uh, I need, I need to go home and I need the, one of our other managers was there, Jake, and I said, Jake can't go home tonight on his flight. He has to go home with me tomorrow because I can't get myself on an airplane because they have given me the largest box of Oxycontin imaginable and also some shots that I'm supposed to give myself every couple of hours to thin my blood so that doesn't clot. And I need someone to get me on a plane.
0: Those two, and also those one of one of those things might give me trouble with the other one of those things. Yeah, and it's all. <laughs> and, and I can't. And, and, and by the way, can I ask this? Uh, because I mean, you know, you're sober. Yeah. Right. Is there was there is there any issues with like? I mean, obviously, you need to be taking oxycontin and yeah. you need to be taking morphine for your pain and stuff. Yep. But is there any worries or issues when you're going through something like that when you are, have been sober? Or not? I, 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 I genuinely don't know what the answer to that is. I that's didn't. I,
1: asked. I I sort of felt like tr-
0: like uh, cancer. Trump sober. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what I was asking.
1: <laughs> These pills last like six hours. Yeah. They're super strong, and uh, I'll just take them as prescribed. And right. I'll give them. And I'll and I'll and I gave them to Jake, and said, "Just give me one when I'm supposed to take one." Um, and they were really strong, and so then. I started nodding out when he and I were having lunch. But then I was all packed and everything, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to sit in my fucking apartment and feel sorry for myself. So we, so. So for, we for people,
0: s- there are people who probably don't, who listen to this podcast who probably, uh, well, I, I know from the numbers of people who listen to this podcast, there are people who listen to this podcast who have no awareness of my other podcasts. It's called TOEFOP. You should listen to it. It's very uh, good. Uh, it, it, there's 300 episodes of it uh, and uh, – But anyway, more people listen to this one, so I need to explain this to them. Uh, Many years ago, uh, we did, four years ago, I think it was, we did uh, your podcast, Walking the Room, with Dave, and Charlie and I, we did a thing called Super Pod at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and it was one of the most brilliant, fun nights of comedy that we'd all been involved in. Yeah, We didn't know what it was going to be, and it was something amazing.
1: We hadn't planned anything, and uh, uh, Charlie brought out a a piece of paper with his first night of stand-up that he'd ever done. And he started to read his stand-up as written and then that was it that That was was it. the rest of the night and we all laughed and And it was beautiful. It was really really good. And uh, and uh, so we thought well, let's let's try it again and see if it works well his, so yeah,
0: it, it it um it didn't record. That's what people. Oh do yeah, so know. yeah, that's it right. It
1: did not record. Yeah, we do this. We have this night. It is an amazing night. And of course, the two the podcasts had both been friendly for a long time, and, and why why Dave and I are known in Australia. Oh. So we uh, so we record this thing. It's going to be epic, and it didn't record. So it, was, it became even more legendary.
0: Right. So you guys were back in the country. Charlie and I had already booked in to do a live TOEFOP at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Right. We and just ended walking the room for good. So I hit you guys up and I said, what about we don't tell anybody, but we make it instead of it being a TOEFOP live, we make it pod 2. Because most of the people who are going to come, would be aware of that and know about yeah. that. And I thought this will just be one of those really cool moments no one expects and it'll be brilliant yeah. and then on the day that we're going to do this we've managed to keep it a secret for all this time no one knows no. it's going to happen no. and then you go and get cats. I go get cancer <laughs> I go out and get myself a whole bunch of cancer
1: and, uh, and, uh, but, I'm all, but I'm all cheery about it because I'm high and I tell you guys and, uh, and so everyone has different reactions to it but I'm like I'm good like I'm good to go and uh and I was and I and we had a great show in um, another fantastic show, as I recall. Well, as,
0: as I said on the night, like it, it, I think. Well, a, it was the first time that I've I've done one of those live shows where I wasn't the most high person, so that was good. Yeah, that's a new record for yeah. the show. Yeah, uh, but no, I, it was for me, and this is what I was because the Comedy Festival had contacted me because I'd been in contact with you, but yeah. the Comedy Festival had also been back channeling me and giving me a bit more of a like, you know, he's not really well, and if you know, he may not be able to do the show tonight. And I was like, well, of course, if he can't do the show, we ha- people don't even know he's meant to be doing. The show, yeah. you know, like so. Literally, if he can't do it, it's only really going to be, you know, yeah. like I, no, no, but I. In my mind, I was just putting myself into your situation, and if I was in your situation and I had been told that I was sick and I was going back home with some like just a, an open diagnosis of what yeah you know, the next few months were going to be like, and if I was in any state to be doing a show in a place where it, I was going to get nothing but love and support, that's what I would want to do with my last 100
1: time. I was like, this could be the last comedy show I ever do, right? So,
0: or the last one you get to do in Australia, or the or whatever yeah right, oh, yeah, they're not inviting me
1: back if you <laughs> if you saw I am the king sweater, you are yeah that, 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 that's gonna be a heart so so anyway i uh so then I get on the airplane, so then the show goes fantastic, right, and I go back home, and it's like and then we had a really early flight, and uh, I get on the plane, and they can't they can't get Jake to sit with me in first class, so they have to give me all my own pills. And uh, and uh, and Jake goes in the back and I'm sitting next to the drummer of a band called Switchfoot and they're an American rock and roll band that play all over the world because they are surfers and they're Christians and they basically use their band. I mean, they write pretty good. They write great songs. They're they're like a fine band, right? They're not an amazing they're not an amazing band and they're definitely not a terrible band. They're a very good band. And they've got a big Christian following, and they have a huge surfing following, and they use their band to travel the world to surf. Right. They're probably more surfer than they are Christian. So the dude <laughs> sitting next to me that's a drummer, and obviously we're coming back from Australia, and they had been all around, and uh, at the Pacific Rim, they'd done the whole, they have been all over the place. And I say to the guy, we, we sort of get friendly, and I say to him, now listen to me, I am i 'm um, possibly sick I might have I might have a touch of cancer which it made him laugh and i said and i uh uh, uh I have to take these pills and and once i 've taken these pills it 's very possible that I will tell you that I love you or that you 're my best friend. I might take my shirt off and go for a walk like i don 't know what 's going to happen, but if you could keep your eye on me right i 'd appreciate it because i 'm i 'm already high and and so uh, and I ended up just taking one pill and falling fast asleep, uh-huh. and I slept the whole flight, uh, and woke up like with an hour, and then, and then we chatted a bit, and then he uh, walked me to baggage claim and said, uh, uh, he told me that he loved me, and that he'd said a prayer for me and that I was gonna be fine. And then the mayor picked me up and took me to the hospital, and we went right into surgery. And within 24 hours, I found out that I had uh, 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 non-Hodgkin's B-cell lymphoma, um, which is what you want, Okay. Like I got one of the cancers you want that that they they know something about, um, because as of last Friday after four and rounds when you say the ones
0: you want, you mean if you're going to get cancer, if you're going you to, you don't get cancer, want them, you don't want any cancers. No. Um, but if you have to have a cancer, but it's this a, is...
1: it's a it's it, all the all the doctors were pleased with the cancer that I had. Right. Um. Then they'd gone in and taken my appendix out, and and also because I they just took it out. I'm not even sure. Maybe they just got it out of the way and decided not to put it back in. I think they were having a style. But they and then they had to un- take out my entire. You know, they had to take out my intestine and you know, like and then put it all back in. Which it's weird to think about that because you think is is it in there arbitrarily or does it fold the same? Can you refold it and put it back in? You are, know, I mean, are, you,
0: are you thinking that it's like, what, what, it's one of those things that once you've undone, it's like a computer cord. You yeah. can never like put it up the right way. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or like the cords for your amp or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or one of those like magazine things that you unfold it once, in, like a map cool. and then you can't refold <laughs> the map. You can you never can refold it back. Like, like you're like, essentially doing run.
0: origami for 45 minutes. Thing.
1: And by the way, guys, a map was a thing we used to not have on a phone. It was made of paper. <laughs> and they showed you where you went. and You had to figure it out yourself, longitude and latitude. So, <laughs> the they uh, they found what the cancer was, and they said, but it's very aggressive. It wants uh, it wants to it wants to do business, mm. and uh, well, so we'd like to get in there and 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 do uh, chemo
0: quickly. So, um, so this is a big deal, right? Because again, like I all. <sighs> All I know, about, I mean, everyone has, like, connections with cancer because right. it is so prevalent in all its different right. forms. But at the same time, it's not necessarily something that people, you know, talk about all the time or yeah. whatever. So, uh, but you hear terrible things about chemo. Like, is that, is it terrible? Well, here, my experience was has been
1: this, that, uh, no. Okay. My experience has been that it's not that terrible. I mean, it, the... They have so many anti-nausea drugs that they shoot into you as they're doing all the chemo and they have pills for you to take. The, the thing that's hard about it, and it's everybody's different, every human being's different, the thing that's hard about it is the, the flu-like feelings that you get every once in a while, the lethargy, you know, you get up a flight of stairs and you can barely breathe, you want to lay down a lot. You, 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 your brain, my brain was never tired. Okay. I've never written more because I can't go anywhere. So I just put my computer I've, I've I've done more work in this past 3 months than I've done maybe my entire show business life. Right. So I uh, uh I, I I I it hasn't been the first weekend was bad because they didn't give me the right drugs and I threw up a lot and I got very very sick and um uh and I had to go back to the hospital and uh and then they and then uh because I'd split my stitches open and then they had to sew me back up. And then uh, and then they they said we gave you the wrong, we didn't give you the right stuff, so they gave me the right stuff and and I'm fine. they 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 it, it's advancing every day. They're getting better at cancer, you know. Um and and I ended up having one that's fairly treatable. So, um I've had four rounds of cancer. Of course my hair fell out. They literally said it'll be like two weeks and two weeks to
0: the day I cut a mohawk because because the, to talk to me about the hair because like your hair. You know, is something that you uh, clearly like. You like, you know, playing with. That yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the same. I love hair. I've always yeah. had different color hair, different styles of hair. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, and I love a, a dude with a cool haircut, and I yeah. like someone who's like got a good hairstyle. Yeah. So for me, like, it would be that thing of going, oh yeah, right. I'm gonna lose all my hair. Was that was that a big deal for you at all, or is or is everything else that's no, happening? It just all, makes it not you care. Just, I
1: mean, you loo- You just have to get rid ridier. You just have to go look. Right. That shit is off the table. I mean I had my I had a woman come in and say we need to Q-tip your nose and your asshole because you went to the hospital and came back (laughs) and so you may have picked up a bug but we have to Q-tip your asshole and and I and she was a Japanese uh, I mean a a Thai woman and her name was Rose and then she brought in a nursing student with her to do it right and I said why not bring in a nursing student I was like anybody wants to look at my asshole it's pretty it's a good one You know, and so you, you don't, and I don't like to, I'm a guy that like really doesn't like to take his shirt off at the beach. Like I'm, I don't, I'm just not that, that's not one of my vanities. Right. So, um, uh, but you just lose all that shit. So I cut a mohawk so it wouldn't be so drastic for my girls to watch like clumps of hair fall out of me. And then the mohawk just thinned and thinned and thinned and then I eventually just shaved it off. But the reason that you lose your hair is not because you're sick, it's because cancer uh because chemotherapy kills fast-growing cells right and it's not arbitrary it just goes after any fast-growing cell they're just looking around for anything that could be cancer you know it, 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 it they're getting to the point now where they have i took a second drug that went just after the the lymphoma uh called rituxin and that's probably the drug that did the most damage to it that's like a ground attack but then your hair just starts to fall out so i was like well there it goes you know i mean I, do i want my hair back of course um I, I miss it but at, at the same time uh i would pre- i prefer having my life back so right. you know <laughs> it's you know it's 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 uh uh and i like a hat
0: Right, you that know? is. And I, I wear, mean, that is. That's that is a good thing. You've yeah. always like been a man who's liked a hat. Yeah,
1: I like a hat, and I have a lot of them. And, and but um, and
0: also now in a comedic sense, like with the hat, it's part of the act, you know, because you can have a reveal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. And if somebody and you
0: don't have to worry about hat hair.
1: And, and like if someone doesn't like it, like a joke, I just take the hat off I'm and go p- cancer. <laughs> But, you, but, go ahead, don't laugh at it. It could be the last said I do, but just so just just for anyone that's listening, just so that you know, after four rounds, last Friday, I got a diagnosis that the cancer has shrunk ninety percent. And I have two more rounds, which means that they should be able to eradicate it completely. And then I should be able to keep it at bay. Now, you never know with cancer. It's a gamble. It, right. you know, it can pop up anywhere. There's no reason for me to have it uh, genetically because no one in my family's ever had it. My mom had lung cancer, but she went after it. Mm-hmm. She fairly went after you know, She madmaned herself some yeah. cancer. But um, so it, 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 uh, it was a surprise. Been a big, it was a big surprise. Uh, but it was hard the part the hardest part for me I think was how hard it was on Amira it, it put a lot of pressure on her because it also was it's been a fina- it's been a bad financial strain because I lost a lot of money not touring Australia because I was supposed to stay there until like May 17th
0: right you were gonna do a road show and all sorts of yeah I had gigs. a long road yep. show
1: like and I and I had Sydney and then and then uh, um, and then uh, I was gonna come back here and I had a I had I, I had a, a pretty good chunk of shows here that I had to cancel but um, but also,
0: you're involved in the American medical system, that, which I've read some stuff about the fact that that isn't as cheap as it could be. Here's what they do: they put, <laughs> and I'm not even shitting you, and and
1: you have to be careful if you get sick here. You, they put a um, a barcode on your on your wrist, and then they they ding you every time they do something while you're laying in bed. So let's say you're laying in bed, and they go, "We're going to give you some anti nausea." Stuff in your IV and they hook up your IV and then they go, let me see your wrist and then they ding it and then it charges you. So sometimes they would wake me up to give me like Oxycontin when I was already sleeping on diluted, right? And I would go, no, 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 I'm good, or I don't want any more stool softener, like because I don't want to be charged. <laughs> I, my shits are fine, like I don't, you know, what I mean, I like, I there was a point where you start to realize you're just ringing stuff up. I mean, right. I, I don't, and again they're just doing what they do but they they charge you for everything and i you ask for a couple of aspirin thinking that the lady's just going to reach into her fucking purse and give you an aspirin and then they got to go they have to sign for it then they come back and they have to open a closet everything's accounted for and they bring it in a cup and it was quite a production just to get a couple of aspirin but um because i didn't want a more expensive painkiller for you know one of the things i was going through so um uh it, it's oh it's unbelievable the amount of money is just ridiculous it's insane
0: uh i i don't want to pry too much here because it, it, no, it's no, probably getting mind. a bit too a person I, I like talking about yeah. it yeah well here's one thing though and tell me just as much or as little about this as you care to yeah um but you mentioned like the hair and you know not wanting the girls to see your hair falling out. As a parent, when you're going through something like this, how much or how little do you end up telling your children about the process?
1: Well, the first weekend I came home from school, fortunately, I mean came home from school. First weekend I came home from the hospital. The girls were away at a dance um, competition. They both danced competitively, so they were at a dance competition, and that was the worst weekend. Amira's parents were here with me, and so that was they didn't get to see. The the I mean I was throwing up blood like the first weekend was a mess, um, then they just see you and the 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 problem the thing with cancer is and anyone knows who's had it, some days you just fucking look like shit right like you just look like the fucking walking dead you are white you are ashen you are hollow looking there's no amount of anything that will make you look like you're not dead and sometimes they see you like that you know or you're falling asleep and your head's back and your mouth's open and they think you know so it's it's hard for them um um but we wanted them so we we when we brought them home we had we just straight up told them what it was but that the doctor felt confident that it was something we could beat but there are no promises and you know i've been very um we've been very gallows humor about it too like i'd say give daddy a kiss because when he comes back he might be in a box (laughs) And sometimes they like those jokes and sometimes they don't, you know, um, because they're very sensitive, but they, they pretended to be okay. And then they would go to their rooms and cry themselves to sleep. And I wouldn't find out about that till later. So it's tough. I, you know what I mean? It's a, it's, and it's just something that they have to go through. But as we've gone through it, you know, they've gotten to just understand. It's just one of those things that happens to people in life, you know? Um, and, and also I've never been home this much. Like, I've never been in the house and just home for weeks. And I think it's been the, one of the best things that's ever happened to the family. Like, we are just together all the time. And and that I
0: love. The, it's interesting, isn't it? And I, I have experienced this recently myself, is that sometimes you can get a little out of rhythm with people who are close to you just from being away. So much, yeah. And the only sometimes it's almost tempting to spend less time, or, or or you know, go this is too hard, this is not working, or what, or whatever, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, in a broad sense, but I mean in the yeah. But what you really need is to just be locked in the same house together for a while, because there is actually something about getting back that connection that involves actually putting some hours in, even if they're dead hours, I, I, even if they're nothing hours.
1: I, you just nailed it. You just nailed it. We the Amir and I have a book coming out. Uh which we've been getting the good bad news all year long. The good news is they were so excited about the title that they want to put it out a year from now, like in, in, in 2016, it's supposed to come out this summer. And so you're like, well, we would have been making money in the, anyway. But we're, we're writing our, our, which I think will probably be my last relationship book, which is called How to Keep Your Marriage from Sucking. Right. and it's about all of the horrible things that have happened in our marriage and how we've blown it in so many different ways and it's very comical and very funny and very open and very honest and my part of the of the we'll we'll cover this the cancer thing is cancer is the best thing that's ever happened to our marriage because we have spent a ton of time together and it's exactly right like we had to get reconnected in that way of like just being together all the time and, and like seeing each other every day and I don't know. It's just been really good for us. We've, we've, you know, we've, I, and I don't, and I don't know how we would have done it any other way other than me being sick. I've always been close with my daughters. My daughters adore me, and so that has never been, there's never been a disconnect there. And I also love my. I have two golden retrievers, and they're fucking. I adore them, and they're very close. Uh, but, but my wife and I have gone through periods of, you know, uh, I'm gone so much that like. It's hard to have that full robust relationship that you want to have with a woman or whoever you're in a relationship with. And it's gotten robust again. But not only that, like we're laughing together a lot and we're and the gallows humor really worked. You know, the death stuff and you know, I mean, she's really dark, my wife. And so that that <laughs> has been
0: you well, know, she's, uh, she had all this material up her sleeve. Oh yeah, and she talks about
1: her new <laughs> husband, and you know, there's a lot. There's been a lot of 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 uh, and me, you know, trying to get her to make me a sandwich because I'm dying and. You know,
0: we... we, I, we it, but it probably just gives you, I mean, genuinely gives you an excuse to talk to each other in a kind of more honest and direct way. Yeah. But it, with humor, and then that's bonding, because A, you're being more honest with each other. Yeah. Because I, you know... Anyway, okay, so let's talk about relationships. Like Because, again, the book thing is always interesting to me. Yeah. Because you have written how many relationship books that, so well, this, will, this be will be our fourth fourth yeah and i feel like you have a complicated relationship with your relationship books is not, that
1: not anymore not anymore that's all over with that was that was just uh i wish if, if i had been on if i had been medicated the way i am now uh uh on the uh, i i take a wellbutrin and Zoloft and I started that two years ago and it changed my whole life if I had been medicated during that process I would have embraced it because I would have understood that this is just one This is just part of who I am and not the whole thing and I wouldn't have been such a crybaby about the whole thing You know It's tough when you get categorized as one thing, but I just would have done more stand-up I just would have worked harder at stand-up or I would have written more shit. I I would I the only thing that works in life, I, I'm, I, my belief is the only thing that works is work. That's it. The only thing is work and humility. That's, that's, the, that's the key. Work really fucking hard and be a humble human being. And, and, and if I had just worked really hard at being a comic during that period when on, people only thought I was a relationship guy, I'd have gotten through it. But instead I threw a tantrum. I threw a fucking tantrum about it everyone thinks I'm the relationship guy and blah blah I mean, I really acted like a baby and and then people didn't want to be around me and then I you know what I mean? Like and so I made that relationship complicated rather than going look at my good fucking fortune Um, I didn't want to turn it into more of a thing. I didn't want to stay that guy because I don't I don't like that world that like I love writing the books and I like having conversations like on a podcast but like trying to turn it into a TV show, that, that doesn't interest me. You know, making a tonic and trying to sell it to people or doing a late night infomercial or all the different things that they told me I could do, that stuff, making an app, that stuff doesn't interest me. That feels like I'm squeezing people for more than they need, you know? And I like the reading of the books. That to me is what should be the the main goal
0: okay so talk to me about uh and you you mentioned the medication helping with your state of mind in regard to that has the cancer changed your perspective on anything because i mean it's a cliche that you know you get really sick and you you have you know certain changes of heart or changes of mind have there been things that have become less or more important yes
1: my my envy and my um and my uh my uh petty differences with comics and my like all of a sudden i was just like I'm just gonna watch Maran's show. Right. (laughs) I'm gonna just like I'm just gonna try. I'm gonna try everything. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be inspired by people instead of afraid to watch it because I'm afraid I'll feel like I'm not funny. I'm gonna go after people's things because that's what Will does. He loves comedy and he watches it. And I have a couple other friends that like they embrace other people's comedy and I pretend to. And I don't. And I'm gonna watch Amy Schumer and fall in love with her. And I'm gonna watch stuff and I'm not gonna like some of it. And and but I'm not gonna like not gonna not like it out of petty jealousy or my manager also manages them, but because it just doesn't make me laugh. Yeah. And so that's
0: okay. It's and, getting to the place where you can not like something for the right reasons.
1: But I wanna learn. Yeah. You know, I, I, this morning I went and I just watched as much Rory Scoville as I could watch because I just adore him. And I and I I don't want to be him, but I want to learn from him. I want to learn what's what is something I can get from this. Because years ago, Bill Burr said I learned how to slow down from watching Uncool. I learned how much time I could take from your special, you know. And and I and it didn't sink in that like here's a comic who's turned himself into 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 quite a comedy superstar he watched my special and then got something out of it and then i started thinking you you got to stop with this je- jealousy it's jealousy you know and so that kind of melted away you know i've never had that with music i play in a band simply so that i can just play in a band that's why i have a band i have a band and i play music so because i love it and it and it it's it, it, it's its own it, it's its own once we've been to band practice that's exactly what i wanted to do it already. I'm all, I've already satisfied the itch. Yeah. If we play a gig, it's even better. When I listen to the music in my car, or I'm done. It doesn't need to be more than that. It's exactly what it is. It doesn't have to be
0: any bigger than that. You know, I do it. That's a really interesting perspective, though, because it's something I've been asked quite a lot recently. I don't know. It's a theme that comes up, and I've been trying to reconcile my own thoughts about this, which is... Often people ask me in an interview, and they're just interviewing. I'm not really judging them for asking me this. But they're always like, what, what's your aim? You know, what, what do you want to achieve in America? Why are you doing all these gigs? Do you want a TV show or do you want to like a movie? Or, or what, what are you going to do next when you come back home? And what, what, what do you want to happen with the podcast? Or you know, that, those sort of questions. At where it, My honest answer to that is that mostly like, everything that I want is kind of happening now. Like, I mean, it, right. it would be fine if all the things I'm doing, like if more people listen to the podcast or if more people came to the shows. But realistically, would I like my life to change much from what it's like now? No. I could play bigger venues, but I'd still do as many shows, you know. And, and I wonder if that exp- – So, but then I'm like, well, every, they're always thinking, oh, I should have more. Am I stupid to be satisfied with what I have? You know what I mean? Like, am I wrong? You know, which I don't think I, that I am, by the way. Like, I, But I think that there is a pressure more generally in society that you're constantly being told, don't be happy with what you have. And I think that a lot of people, if they actually looked around, would go, you know what, if I really think about it, like what do I like to do with my day? Am I doing it? Then, okay, I'm pretty happy. If I, you know, I, I just started,
1: uh, I, have a, I have a new writing partner and we wrote this show that we both really like and I didn't want to... St- I didn't want to pitch it because I didn't want to get a script deal because I didn't want to spend – I didn't want to take notes and I didn't want to end up with just like $3,000 after a summer of hard work. Right. So I said, let's write a script and then let's shoot two scenes from the script and then we'll take it around to places and we'll right. show them. But I want to show them proof. And also I learned how to um, – uh, I, I, I've learned a little bit how to direct – But I want I I want someone else to direct it, but I want to produce it and I want to cast it and I want to do the whole thing and I have a vision, and I I I want to have that adventure and I want to make it myself and I want to you know, um and then I just want to see where that goes. I don't have I mean I want something to happen with it and I but I want it to be good. But I also like that adventure. Like the reason I want to shoot it is I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of asking people. I'm tired of like. Like I just want to. I just want to. I had such a fun time working on the show when I was in New York and working with actors and directing them and watching other people be the fucking main part of it and just me not being the main part of it and working with a crew every day and I love being in big groups and um, and then Flanagan said I want you to come and do the King Sweater every Wednesday in September. I think that song is hilarious i love it he made me do it at largo during sarah silverman show and i did the little pieces of it that i could and he said i think it's fantastic we got to turn it into something so i'm just letting my life i'm just doing the work and letting my life show me what it is and i'm not asking because here's what i was gonna say about faith this has made me believe less i don't think i believe in god as such mm-hmm. i believe in in other human beings and i believe in work and I believe if you just do really good work and that you stay connected to human beings, you don't isolate yourself, that life will just tell you what you're supposed to do. But you can't isolate yourself. You can't be alone. You can't be. I've been alone too much. I've tried to do things too much. And then I suddenly I wake up and I'm not asked to do anything. When the Mr. Show reunion gets together, I'm not... I'm not on it cause I wasn't close enough with those guys and I don't get to be on Mark Maron's show cause I'm not close to Mark Maron at all. And I don't get to, you know what I mean? I didn't get to participate cause I didn't extend myself and I didn't make friends and I didn't call people back and I didn't. So I feel like part of it is the community being friends with people. Not like I, not, not disingenuously, but people like to work with people they love and love is part of the whole community thing. And then, hard work that's the only thing that ever gets you anywhere is hard work and if you love the
0: work which we both do then you're then you're there you know what i mean do you think that uh what you've been through with your uh, illness will form a like a it will change your comedy at all um i mean i imagine you you, you are already and you will be talking about it because why wouldn't you talk about it? Like
1: I have written some stuff about it. Uh, I will. I, I, I mean,
0: at the very least, that's what the doctor in Australia should have said to you guys. You, you look, mate. Look, you've got a show out of this. Oh no, the guy. Yeah, I, congratulations, I I, you've got a show I, and no, some tumors. I, I, <laughs> I
1: what what I apparently when I was super high and I was back in the states, I told the surgeon the whole Australia story, and then when I went to see him in his office to have him look at the at the incision, he goes, "If you don't do." that australia story on stage somewhere you're nuts you are hilarious he goes i saw tig the other night and sarah silverman and they were fantastic and that story fits right up there that's one of the best you know so i'll probably talk about it a little bit and i'll probably i'm you know i i'm sure it will inform my comedy i'm interested to see what happens but i'm more interested in doing comedy than i was before i left
0: that's that that's that's cool. I like that as an idea. Um I, I look we could bang on for hours but that that's probably enough time cuz you've got a phone call uh in a, in a few minutes so um I want to, so tell people what, you know, when is, when, are, what should they check out? Where should they find you? Where are you at the moment? Like, as in, are you online? Are you releasing? It? Or are you just taking a break from all those yeah, sort of things? Yeah, kind of like,
1: I'm not really in, in, in or any on or anything. Cause I've, I was, I've been trying to figure out how to like, everything will probably gear back up again in September. Uh-huh. My goal is to like, rather than like get a club date and then do a Conan to support it. I'm going to try and do a Conan to say I'm back doing stand up and get work. Yeah. That makes you know? sense. Um, I'm going to try to, in September, I'm going to start doing I Am the King sweater at Largo and, and, and have it do, and in the small room, the teeny tiny room where like you can get 25 people in there and um, start workshopping it. And have inviting friends to come and be a part of it and see what it turns into.
0: Well, that's—I mean—that's a good one. So I know a lot of LA people listen to this podcast, and also people who are fans of yours. So that's going to be a great thing to go. Out I'd and I'd like to and, get
1: back to Australia and tell this story as it as it unfolds. You know, I'd like to go back and do a show proper again next year. Um, you know,
0: uh, if people um, like uh, want to, you know, I mean, uh, buy the books or you know those sort of things. Yeah. Like, where do they, what's the that's best? That's all thing? Amazon. All Amazon, a- yeah.
1: Amazon, and any of the any or uh, Goodreads or any of those places, the books are all there, and the new book's going to come out in a brand new way. So what we're doing is releasing it chapter by chapter. Oh no, nice. the chapters are the length of books. Oh, short books. They're okay. like, They're like that's how they're doing this now. So this is sort of like a compendium. It's like a not a compendium, but it's like it, there's like volumes. Right. So the first volume of how to you know is the engagement. Um and then the second volume is The Wedding, and then the third volume is, and it's all our experiences, uh, is the first year of marriage, and then we go through all the different stages of it, and I think it'll end up being like 10 chapters, and it'll come out over a year, and you can buy the whole thing at once, or you can buy them one chapter at a time, or you can just buy one chapter of it. It's interesting to you. Um, and this is the new wave of doing books. Uh, so I, we'll see how that turns out. But I'm kind of excited by
0: it, you know, the... <sighs> I mean, we we started, you know, talking about Mark Maron and uh, Obama being on Mark Maron. It feels like a time that, even though we don't know what's going to happen, still with like you know, podcasts and with new media, with the traditional networks. I mean, these last—if you talk about the last four or five years, um, you know, even now, like when I left doing television in Australia two years ago, I'm going back to you know, go and do my television show again next month, and television has completely changed in the time I've been away. Like the numbers that you can do on like the way people watch TV, yeah you know, right. people aren't watching it at eight thirty on a Wednesday night anymore. you know like they're watching it all like on uh, you know, on catch up or on Netflix or on whatever these sort of things are. That's all like all. I'm I've been away for two years and I'm going back into a completely different place. I find it exciting because I think all this. Like I'm the sort of person who thinks you can grab two microphones and make a show and this and just put it out and that's a good thing to be able to do. And I love that the opportunities. But nobody knows where any of this is going to go. But it does feel like at the moment we're in a point where I mean, I like people it. are trying a lot of new things, which is they cool. are.
1: Then a lot of and a lot of and so a lot of good works being done in in television. No, who knew? Who knew that television was going to be be the new place to see great? I mean, the work that's that's being done on television now—it's amazing. Some of the shows are just like they're mind blowing, and then you're like, "Holy shit! I got to wait a whole another year for *Peaky Blinders* to come back." Like, I can't. There's just some shows that I'm like, "This is incredible." I guess I'm going to just watch it again until it comes back. I don't know what else to do, and uh, um, and then films, you know, like. It, you the there's you can go through through and discover great independent films and didn't quite make it in the theaters and you watch things at different times i also do a lot of youtubing i do a lot of like just digging and spending i mean I, and that's the same as watching television right. anymore so it's i like it i think it's a really i think it's a really good time and it is neat to be able to say to somebody oh rory Scoville, yeah check him out and then you can. I can and then they can. They
0: can, and they I, can oh go God. and check him. My,
1: my uh, wife and I this morning were watching his first Conan set, where he does it all in a country accent for no reason, and <laughs> and talks about Lunchables. It's it's brilliant. It's like perfect. It's absolutely perfect. And and he's such a nice, mm. such a nice man too. And it's so good. And it was so inspiring. And it made me so happy. It was just such a great, um, such a great thing. So I love that that stuff's available to you, and you can watch it any way you want. I don't have to wait for it to come on on a comedy special or hope that I'm going to catch it later on or get charged for it somewhere, you know, that the Conan stuff is still around or whatever, you know. Or you can watch it when it airs, but mostly people don't.
0: It's amazing. It's a it's a really uh, excellent time, it's terrifying time. Like people, I mean, it's terrifying to know how we make a living doing what we do when content is free almost everywhere. But it's also a very creatively, you know, If you've got an idea, you can make something right now.
1: You can, and you can, and you can, um, uh, and they'll figure out a way. They'll they'll figure out a way to to advertise for it because the thing you have to remember is that people need to know where things are you know we do need advertisements we we do need to know people need to know where what medicines to take people do need to know how to wipe their fucking ass if the better ass wiping thing comes up people need to know about it it just is a fact you know advertisements do help you don't think about it there's an
0: exception to that rule and every time that you get a spam email about um you know uh make your penis bigger right okay here's what i'm telling you that's spam emails because if somebody comes up with a pill that makes your penis bigger word of mouth will sort that one out
1: oh yeah No, Yeah. (laughs) no 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 absolutely no no there's yeah, there's truth in that, but like it truly is true. Like when I right. go to the, you know, like I, 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 you, there are, there is a little bit of like we do sort of need that stuff a little bit. You do kind of when you're walking into a fucking drugstore and you're like, what was the, what was the name of that fucking sinus thing? But I don't want the sinus cold thing, and you, and you fucking heard it in an ad, and you're like, oh, Mucinex. Mucinex is the one that's supposed to be good, and I got that off the television, and that's the only place I'm gonna get it, and especially if I don't, if my mommy's not here. To take care of me. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, there is something. So, there will find some way to infuse it into, you know. And that shit costs money. They got to give it to us. <laughs> that's <laughs> a nice. put it on our content.
0: That's a nice note to end on. Uh, if people want to catch me, uh, all my dates are on my website, willanderson.com.au. Sydney and uh, Perth are selling pretty fast in Australia if you want to come to those shows. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I also have a little run of shows here in LA. Um, you can catch me Saturday night at Nerd Melt doing my free will show. Gareth Reynolds is doing support for that show, so that should be really cool, fun set list on Friday night. Madison, Wisconsin at Comedy on State next week. Uh, Toronto and Montreal the week after. And so just check out my website for all those details and dates. That's fantastic, uh, Greg. Thank yeah, you, you. can
1: at, 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 at Greg at Gregory Barron, is it?
0: I think it's at Greg Barron. Greg Gregory Barron.
1: I'm on the. You can just find me on Twitter. That's find him I, that's right there yeah. yeah 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 are you instagramming still yeah i instagram under the name greg a style spelled like reggae style you're
0: you're, uh, you're you're a good instagrammer i'm i think i think you're you, it probably goes to the fact that you are a visually you know you, you you have a visual style like i twitter i love instagram i always like even forget that i have it i'm, I'm like, like you get one a week
1: i'm that's the thing <laughs> i'm not op- i'm the opposite I don't. I, Twitter makes me just go. Oh fuck! I don't know what to say. And then I'll read somebody else's tweet and go. Well, that was what I wanted to say. And Instagram is like my fucking favorite. I love Instagram. I'll make a little movie or I'll fuck. Uh, you know, I, I yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's a very, it's a great visual place. I also like watching people's lives. It's very. The thing I like about it is that there's not a lot of confrontation and not a lot of anger and not right. a lot of like sometimes you read twitter and you go oh, god i can't, this is like oh, a, yeah, there's, a there's a lot of hate yeah there's a lot of hate it's there's a lot, lot of, of angry hate. people people are there. fighting over there yeah
0: for fun and for not fun yeah 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 but there's fighting going on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. whereas
1: and it's very, very I, I put up just a picture of my dogs this morning but it's a good picture you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> i don't just put up a horseshit picture and i also spend a lot of time making sure that there it's filtered right, right and you know <laughs> And I, you know, and as it says on my arm, dress better. That's just uh, or that's just a note to yourself.
0: Note <gasps> to self. Uh, all right, mate. Thank you so much. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening. I'll talk to you again soon.